right, good morning, church. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open with me to Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, while you're turning there, I want to tell you um, a pretty amazing story. On September 18th, 2016, at 3.38 a.m., pro ultra runner Carl, and his nickname I love, Carl Speedgoat Meltzer, emerged from the Appalachian Trail at Springer Mountain, and with his emergence from the AT that morning, he set a new record of finish time with 45 days, 22 hours, and 38 minutes. The AT runs from Georgia to Maine, and it stretches 2,190 miles. It goes through 14 states, and a thru-hiker will typically experience 464,000 feet of elevation change throughout the journey. Also, a thru-hiker typically takes five to seven months to complete the journey, unlike the 45 days, 22 hours, and 38 minutes that the speed goat took to do so. Um, I love his quote at the end. He completes the trail, and he sets a new record, beating the old record by 10 hours, and so they interview him. This is what he says. He says, the highlight of the trail is sitting here, but it is also the magic of the place. Just being on the trail is really a highlight. And so I tell you that story because in the passage that we're going to look at this morning together, it talks about a race that is set before us. So as part of our spiritual pilgrimage, part of our spiritual journey, there's a race that is set out before us. And so it's definitely not an easy race for you and I to run. It's a race that we have to fight through. We have spiritual warfare that's a part of our race. It's a race that we need other people to come alongside us and run the race with us. Indeed, there are no lone rangers in Christianity, right? And it's a race that is is sometimes highs and sometimes low. Wayne Grudem says that the spiritual life kind of does like this until we reach that place of uh, spiritual uh, um, perfection and and completion on the day when we're in in glory with Jesus. And so, um, but it's also, I think that sometimes we forget as Christians to do what Meltzer said, to enjoy the journey, right? To enjoy the place, to enjoy the place where God has you and to enjoy the mission that God has set before you. And so this passage in Hebrews chapter 12 really encourages us um, how to prepare for that race. And just a little background on Hebrews. Um, The main purpose of the book of Hebrews is to present Christ in his sufficiency and his superiority. So it's part of my prayer this morning that we would see Christ through this passage as superior and as sufficient. And also, um, as we look at the book of Hebrews, Hebrews is really interesting to me because it's written to a group of Hebrew Christians, Hebrew Christians who came out of a tradition of Judaism, and they're possibly being persecuted for their faith, and so maybe they're experiencing this fear as they're as they're at this point in their spiritual journey, their spiritual pilgrimage, and they have this danger of being persecuted and maybe even a fear of death. And they also there's also a fear here of a return to Judaism. 
because for these early Hebrew Christians, the easy thing would have been to say, yeah, let's go back to how things used to be. Let's go back to the thing, to the tradition of Judaism. And the author of Hebrews is really encouraging them with this message that Christ is superior. He's better. That's a main thing, a main theme that we see in Hebrews. And then also that he is sufficient that we can rest in him and that we can take confidence in him and that we can have boldness in him because of who Christ is and what he's done. And so we don't really know who the author is of Hebrews because the author doesn't identify himself. There's been a lot of speculation that maybe it was Paul or maybe it was Barnabas or maybe it was Apollos. And so um, I I don't think any of those really uh, hurt the passage here or hurt what we would think. And, And so Chris will be glad to tell you who the definitively who the author of Hebrews is after the service if you'd really like to know but um, the date that, that the author did pin the letter was most likely before the deconstruction of the temple in Jerusalem in AD 70 and so we know this because the author of Hebrews talks a lot about the sacrifices and he's referring to those uh, sacrifices but there's no mention of the temple being destroyed and so that's just a little bit of context for us and then as we set up here in chapter 12 just a little bit of background knowledge for us as we go out of chapter 11 and into verse 12 so chapter 11 of Hebrews is 11.1 is where we get that definition of faith that we that we've heard most likely before so it says now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen and then all throughout chapter 11 we kind of see these giants of the faith in fact a lot of people refer to Hebrews chapter 11 as a hall of faith so if you've ever visited like a hall of fame like in Nashville you have the country music hall of fame I got to go to the uh NFL Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, and so we see all of these giants, right? All of these giants of whatever industry or whatever sport it is that make up a Hall of Fame, and so here in Hebrews, we have these giants of the faith like Abraham and Noah, Rahab is there, David. We have all of these giants of the faith, and then we also know that that these giants of the faith struggle just like you and I struggle, and they had difficult times on their race that was set before them and on their journey but at the end of the day they had faith that God was who he said he was and that he would do what he said that he would do and they had faith that the Christ was coming so all of these Old Testament saints looked forward to the day when God would send the Messiah he would send his son they rested in that even though they did not live to see this side of the cross and the resurrection they still had a hope in in the messiah coming and that he is superior and that he is better and so that brings us to hebrews chapter 12 <clears throat> ending verse 11 it says and these things though he commended through their faith did not receive what was promised since god had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect and then in chapter 12 the passage reads therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and the perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Thanks be to God for his word. And if you would pray with me, Father, we do just thank you this morning that you are 
superior and and better and we know that because of what jesus has has done and god i pray that we would rest that we would take refuge and and confidence in the sufficiency of christ and so father i pray that that you would um, speak to us through your word today that we would see jesus in him only and so father as we talk about and read about and study this passage and we know that there's a race that is set before us that you've called us to run that you've set our feet on god i pray that we would run wholeheartedly that we would run full force toward Jesus. And so, Father, I know that as we meet together on Sunday mornings, undoubtedly there are those of us in the room who are struggling this morning with whatever it may be. And so, God, it may be um, one of these important points in this passage. It may be a weight, or it may be a sin that clings closely, or it may be taking our eyes off of Jesus, or whatever it is. God, I pray that you would just speak to us, that you would bring a spirit of conviction where there needs to be a conviction, that you would bring a spirit of encouragement where there needs to be encouragement. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first part that we see here is, is we see this phrase, cloud of witnesses. And so that's, that's kind of a strange saying. That's something that we don't hear a lot. And so a lot of scholars kind of disagree on, on what this cloud of witnesses might mean. So I'm just going to give you a few different interpretations, um, and then I'll tell you what I think, and we'll see, we'll see where we are, okay? So one, one group says, you know what, that cloud of witnesses, that's the world outside of the church. That's the lost world around us, and they're watching the church, and they're seeing how we're going to run our race. They're looking, and they're saying, okay, church, are you going to run faithfully? Are you going to do what you're called to do and they're witnessing how you live your life and how I live my life as believers of the gospel. Another group of scholars say no that's that's not quite right. This cloud of witnesses are the saints who have gone before because if you look back at Hebrews chapter 11 you see all these giants of the faith and they say kind of imagine it like a grandstand right like we're we're in a sporting event and we're running the race as believers and all of these saints who have gone before all of these old testament saints who have gone on before us are in the grandstands and they're cheering us on because of their lives that they they lived and that they've been through this and so they know what you're going through and what i'm going through and so they're they're looking down from heaven upon us and they're cheering us on on our spiritual pilgrimage and then another group says no uh, this is really a cloud of witnesses where we are the witnesses and we look back at the lives of these old testament saints and we gain strength and we gain encouragement for our race because they've already run the race and they've already been there and they were faithful. And even though they struggled and even though they may not have always seen the fulfillment of the promise that they still were faithful to the end <clears throat> and, the, and God rewarded them greatly and God kept his promise and God was faithful. So as we witness their lives, we can draw strength and encouragement from that. And so I think this is kind of one of those things where 
um, <clears throat> doesn't hurt the passage either way, whichever you know camp you fall in on that. Um, I typically, in probably most of my life, I've heard the grandstand interpretation of this, that, hey, you know, the, the Old Testament saints are looking down and they're encouraging us, um, and I really like that idea, and I hope that's true, and that may be true. I think probably um, the, the best interpretation here is that we're looking back and we're saying, okay, it's, we're, we're looking at their lives. Man, that's encouraging to me because I think there's a couple things that are important here. When we look back at some of the people that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, like Abraham and Moses, Rahab, Gideon, all of these different people, I look back at their life and, man, I am so encouraged to run my race because I see how they ran their race. I see that God was faithful even when they weren't faithful. And God was there all of the time for them. And God kept their, his promise with them. And then you read stories. I love the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. We see all that Joseph goes through. And there's a phrase in the story of Joseph. In Joseph's narrative, it says, God was with him. God was with him. And man, when there's some hard days, the story of Joseph and that phrase that God was with him, that greatly encourages me to keep going and keep running my race. And so um, <clears throat> I think that that's the main thing that maybe we should get from this is that there's a, a cloud of witnesses that encourage us to keep on going. And so if you're here this morning and you're thinking about giving up or you're struggling, man, keep on going. Keep on running the race, right? And so I think the question for us this morning is how do we run? How do we keep going? How do we go through this spiritual pilgrimage? And so the first thing is this. It's lay aside. So the author of Hebrews tells us let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. And so there's this idea that sin is a weight and it's an impediment or it, it must be discarded or it's otherwise going to entangle us. And so there's things in your life and in my life that slow us down on our Christian journey, right? There's things that will get us off course and off track where we're not faithfully doing the spiritual disciplines or we're not faithfully in the word or we're not faithfully attending church or whatever it is. And it starts to get us off course. And, and if we keep going down that road, eventually it can become a sin which entangles us, right? So there's kind of two thoughts that are going on here. One is something that, that slows you down, right? It's hard to it's hard to run a race if you've got some extra weight. Um, so I ran a half marathon in 2009. And um, I, uh, I stopped running in 2009. It was, um, it was Thanksgiving weekend or Thanksgiving day. I ran the half marathon. And then on, in February, so a few months later, my first daughter was born. Campbell was born. And so I kind of got out of running. So I've tried to get back into running a few times, but after I got out of running, something happened. I had extra weight that I didn't have in 2009. In 2019, I've got extra weight that I didn't have in 2009, and it makes running a lot harder when you've got extra weight, right? And so in, in order to run, you want to have the best shoes. You want to have the best clothes. They're going to make you run the fastest. And so in, in our lives, when we get 
and all of the stuff in our life that just gets us distracted and that slows us down. I loved, Olivia, how you were talking in worship about the things that take the place of our first love. And so I think that's what this is talking about. A lot of times we're going through the motions. We're still attending church. We're still giving. We're still doing all that we're doing, but there's a weight. It's, an, it's just something that's dragging us down. Maybe not even necessarily a bad thing or a sinful thing, but it's something that gets our focus off of Jesus being our first love, and something else takes the priority there. And this passage is telling us, get rid of that, because if you don't, eventually sin is somehow going to creep in. And so when it talks about, this passage talks about sin entangling us, it's the idea of trying to run a race with your your hands entangled and your feet entangled together. And you can't run like that, right? You can't run if you're entangled and you're not free to run. And so the author of Hebrews gives us some examples here of, of what might be a weight or a sin in our lives that would, would discourage us or that would keep us from running. So in chapter 10, verse 38, he talks about fear that shrinks back in the face of suffering. And so these early Hebrew Christians are in the are face-to-face with suffering, and there's a fear that they would shrink back to their old way of living and their old traditions. And then he also talks about in verse 15 of chapter 12, a bitter discouragement that defiles others with doubt. And then in verse 14 of chapter 11, he talks about a sensuality that seeks immediate gratification. And so all of those things are just just words of warning that the author of Hebrews had to the early Hebrew Christians that he's writing to. And I think that they would serve us well also to take those warnings and, and make sure that we're laying aside any of those weights or any of those sins that could creep in to our lives. So we've got to lay aside some stuff. And then the second one is this. It's to run with endurance. Run with endurance. And so this idea of endurance is also perseverance. And <clears throat> this is the, the idea that God holds us and God is going to help us persevere, just like we said with Joseph, that God is with us. And so we see this metaphor used by Paul a lot. We see it in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, and then we see it again in 2 Timothy verses 4 through 7 as Paul's writing to younger Timothy. And we see this idea that there's a race, that there's, there's a journey that's marked out before us, and we've got to keep pressing on, and we've got to be faithful, and with it, we've not to give up. And so this is, a, this is a strenuous effort, and it's an endurance that's found in daily discipline. And so while we think of the Christian race or the Christian pilgrimage as a long journey, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. The details, the, the daily things that we do help us over the course of years of faithfully living for Christ. And so it, it really comes down to every day. Are we doing the things that, that God has really called us to do? Are we loving God? Are we loving other people? Are we faithfully in the word? Are we faithfully praying for other people? Are we faithfully sharing our faith? Because when we do that on a daily basis, it compounds where we're, we're able to run our race for a long period of time. And so I remember when I was in um, <clears throat> middle school, I went to, for, for a while, I went to a um, Christian middle school and um, that we had our chapel service 
one day Mike Glenn come in to speak to us. Anybody know who Mike Glenn is? I mean, um, he's if you watch the Atlanta Hawks, he's one of the announcers who does the pregames on the Hawks and stuff. And uh, Mike the Stinger Glenn. And uh, Mike the Stinger Glenn came and talked to us about about discipline. And he said, you know what? I wanted to be an NBA basketball player all my life. Like that was my dream. And he was like, I made it. I was an NBA basketball player. And he said, the reason that I was able to do that and I was able to achieve my dream and be successful was that every day I, I did the little things that mattered. Every day I did the disciplines that mattered. And so he said, I would wake up in the morning at like five o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> and I would go and I would practice basketball before school. And then he said, I would get off the bus, I would get my homework done as quick as I could, and I would go and I would shoot the basketball until my mom made me come inside at night. And <clears throat> so he said that he remembered thinking, if I don't go out there and practice, there's probably some other kid up in New York that's out shooting a basketball, and I'm not out there shooting a basketball. And he's going to get a chance before I get a chance. And so I, I think that Mike Glenn's story is important for us as believers because how many times do we not have that same passion? How many times are we not making sure that we're practicing the spiritual disciplines? Because we don't have time to be in the Word. We don't have time to pray. We don't have time to share our faith. We don't have time to gather our children and have family devotions, but we've got time for all kinds of other things, right? We've got time to make sure that we're, we're doing all of these other things so that people will maybe perceive us in the right way or that we'll find some joy or satisfaction that is so temporary. But when we're involved in those spiritual disciplines every single day and when we have that kind of discipline like Mike Glenn had, but in a spiritual sense, man, we start to see some fruit from that. We start to see ourselves grow closer to Christ. We start to feel God leading us on a daily basis. We start to really have that attitude of, hey, we're praying without ceasing, and God is leading us moment by moment and day by day. And so I just want us to kind of imagine what would happen if we took that same kind of commitment that Mike Glenn took for basketball, and we apply it to our spiritual lives. What if we were that passionate about where we were in our relationship with God and our relationship with others, and we incorporated it as part of our daily discipline? And so I wanted to, get to, to give you some practical ways that I found that's, that's helped m me to do that. And, and this is a spiritual pilgrimage, and we're kind of journeying together on this thing, and um, some people have showed me these things, and it's really helped me, and, and so I just want to kind of share them with you. So the first one, the first spiritual discipline that I think is really important is study the Word. Just be in the Word. And so um, I want to take you to a couple passages. The first one is 2 Timothy, <clears throat> and this is the passage where Timothy talks about, about God's Word and all that it is profitable for. If you'll turn there with me. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so <clears throat> I don't know what you're your plan is for reading scripture. Um, this past week, Chris and I had breakfast, and he showed me an awesome app 
um, that he listens to with his scripture on it. And I thought that was incredible because a lot of times I'm driving or whatever, and if I could listen to my scripture, that would help. One thing that I've really found that has helped me is an app called He Reads Truth. There's also one for the, for the ladies called She Reads Truth, and um, it's a daily, just short little read on your phone where you can get that and you can download that app. Um, another thing that's really helped me just in being in the Word is, um, is, a, is a Bible called the One Year Bible. And so the One Year Bible takes you through a Psalm, a Proverb, an Old Testament passage, and a Gospel passage. And all of those things, the, the apps that we have available and then the, the, the Bibles that we have that kind of break up a daily reading have really helped me to be making sure that I'm staying on some sort of track to be in the Word. And so I think we live in such an incredible age where we can just download things like we can listen to the Bible on our phone and we can, we can tap an app and we can open up the Word on our phone. And so just a couple things that have really helped me there. Um, and then the second one is um, s- spend time in prayer. And First Thessalonians chapter 5 tells us to pray without ceasing. And so there's this attitude that we should ha- always be praying without ceasing. And there's um, a really great app called Echo app. Echo, and it's, uh, it's got an app, that, it's an app that you can put prayer requests in. And so that's just been really great for me to put those prayer requests in there. So when I'm sitting around waiting on whatever it is at the, at the bank or, or whatever, I'm sitting there and I can pull up the Echo app. And it just reminds me, I think this prayer without ceasing attitude is it just reminds you to kind of prayer, pray continuously. And so you're just praying for that. And so I may see a prayer request for a friend. And while I'm waiting in line, I just pray for that friend. And then you can close it and move on and <coughs> come back to it later. And then the second thing, or the, the third thing that I think is important in our spiritual disciplines is to meditate day and night. To meditate day and night. And so if you um, turn to the book of Psalms with me and look at that first psalm, it says this. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. And so the idea of meditation is, as it relates to our spiritual pilgrimage, is kind of continually thinking about something. It's kind of stirring something over in your heart or stirring something over in your mind. And so one of the ways that I, I use, or one of the means I use to stir things over in my mind and my heart is driving. Um, <clears throat> I drive, uh, I have about a 45 to an hour commute to work each way every day. And um, I, uh, I used to listen to sports radio. I listened to talk radio for a little bit. And then I just found myself getting really angry all the time. So I've just shut all of those off, sports radio, talk radio. And most of the time, I'm just thinking about something. Um, I very rarely even turn my radio on at this point and I'm just most of the time meditating on whatever it is the sermon from the past week or what I've read that morning in my Bible reading or whatever it is but I've tried to really be intentional about using that time to meditate to stir things over in my heart and so um, you may not have a 45 hour or 45 minutes an hour commute and thank the Lord for it if you don't but if you do drive somewhere right you go somewhere or you do something most of the day where maybe you just have that time where you can meditate and you can turn things 
over. And so there's this idea of enduring, to keep going. One more passage I want you to look at with me it's, um, <clears throat> as we kind of wrap up this thought is John chapter 6. And so remember the author of Hebrews tells us to run with endurance, to run with perseverance. And so there's a really incredible passage <coughs> in John where Jesus gives a really hard teaching. He's really direct about what it takes to follow after him. He's really direct about dying to yourselves and, and the fact that he has to die and all, all of these things that are really hard teachings for us. And so John chapter 6, verse 66, I want you to look at this. It says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered to him, saying, Lord, to whom shall we go? And then listen to this. This is worth underlining. You have the words of life. You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I love that, because after this hard teaching, so many of the followers of Jesus walk away. They say, we're done. We're not going to do it. We're not going to persevere. We're not going to endure. Jesus looks around at the 12, and he says, what about you guys? Are you in or are you out? And Peter says, there's nowhere else to go. Because you've got the words of life. And so I just want to encourage you, man, endure. Because there's nowhere else to go. Persevere. Because there's only one with the words of life, and it's Jesus. You can't go into a secular world. You can't go be a Buddhist and get the words of life. Because Jesus is the only one with those words. And so keep on following him. Keep on pressing on and enduring. And so this is how we do it. The next part of this passage in Hebrews chapter 12 is the, is the third preparation, and it's to look to Jesus. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. And so he says that he is the founder and the perfecter, or some translations say the author and the finisher of our faith. And so this word founder is that Jesus was first on a path of suffering. He is the reason for our faith. And he is the foundation of our faith. He is our guide. He is the firstborn of all creation, Scripture tells us. And then also it tells us that he is the perfecter. And through his atoning work, Christ's perfection leads to the perfection of his people. Because Christ has been, is perfect, we have a hope of being perfect. Because Colossians tells us Christ in us is the hope of glory which is to be realized fully on the last day at the resurrection. And so in Hebrews chapter 12, we see these themes. We see suffering through the cross, but then we also see joy, right? It says, despising the shame for the joy that was set before him. And the joy is the future reward. It is that he knew the other side of the cross, that there's resurrection, that the cross isn't the end, but the cross gives us hope because of the resurrection. And because of the resurrection, we have hope. And then this passage in Hebrews also tells us that he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. 
And so the fact that he's seated tells us that Christ's work of salvation is complete. There's nothing else that he needs to do. He has done all that he needs to do. He said it is finished because when he died, our sins were covered once and for all, all past, all future. And then at the right hand of God lets us know it's a symbol of, of authority, that Jesus is a supreme authority. So we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus, looking to Jesus. And then the fourth thing and the last thing that we do from this passage to prepare for our, our spiritual race is to consider him, just to consider him. Consider him so that you don't grow weary or faint-hearted, the scripture tells us. So I, I, I think, you know, a lot of times in our, in our lives we feel weary or faint-hearted. Maybe you felt weary or faint-hearted this week. Maybe you felt weary or faint-hearted this morning. I want you to be encouraged because of what Christ has done, not because of what you have done, not because of what's inside of you that you can do, but because of what Christ has done. Remember, we said that he is superior, and we've also said, said that he is sufficient. So we can rest in him because he's better and because he's sufficient. I think one of the really important things to do, and, and I love that we hear this um, from Chris a lot, is to remember your baptism. Because when we remember our baptism, it helps us to consider Christ. So if you're here and you're weary or you're faint-hearted, man, remember your baptism. And I think about that so much after, after I've heard, heard him start saying that. Whenever I'm maybe discouraged with something or I'm going through a really difficult time or I'm praying through things, I, I remember what Christ has done for me. Not what I've done for him, but what he has done for me. So John Piper comments on this passage in Hebrews, and he talks about the writer of Hebrews writing to these early Hebrew Christians, and he says he's writing to them because they had lost their wartime mentality, is how he phrases it. And I love that he phrases it that way, because I think it's easy for us to forget that we're in a spiritual, uh, spiritual battle, that we're in a spiritual war. And Peter tells us that the devil is like a roaring lion and he's seeking whom he may devour. And so what that means is that Satan is real and he's out there and he literally wants to destroy your life and he wants to destroy your testimony as a follower of Jesus. And so Piper reminds us, just like the author of Hebrew reminds the early Hebrew Christians, to keep on running. Keep on running the race. Look to Jesus. Don't get distracted. I want to read to you... <clears throat> A prayer. I love these old, old prayers. This is an old um, Puritan prayer. And I love the way that these guys just say things. They said things in the 1600s better than we say them in 2019. And so listen to the way that this old Puritan prays. And, and I'm just going to ask that it be our prayer as we faithfully follow Christ in this spiritual pilgrimage, in this race that's set before us. So, um, he says, Thou art worthy of an adoration greater than my heart can yield. So if you're here and you're weary, then remember that, that we are, that he is worthy of adoration greater than we can even stir up in our hearts. And then the Puritan prays this. He says, Invigorate my love that it may rise worthily to thee. Tightly entwine itself round thee. Be allured by thee. And then listen to this. Then shall my walk be endless praise. So as you go on the spiritual race, man, let it be a race of endless praise.
praise, where we're pressing on and we're following hard after Jesus and we're praising him every step of the ways. Praise God, we ask God to incorporate that into our hearts. So, Father, we just pray this morning that you would let us run this race where every step of the way it is an endless praise. God, that you would help us to not forget that, that we are in a spiritual battle. And, Father, part of running the race is that we would keep our eyes on Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to do the things that are necessary to do that, that you would help us to do the um, spiritual disciplines on a daily basis that draw us closer to you.